God, not that we have to even say it sometimes in words, but that we say it by the way we look and by the way the attitudes of our life are lived. That our actions express the way that you have graced us, may we grace others. And when there's those opportunities, speak your word through us with great, great power and joy and life as you have in our own hearts. And we pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. In a moment, we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture in Leviticus 25. That just is this passage that speaks of this great party and jubilee that was experienced in Israel in the Old Testament. You know, there are some things that appear every 50 years. It's kind of a pattern. It's a rhythm that occurs every 50 years. You may not know this, but bamboo forests in parts of northeast India, every 50 years, go into this exuberant flower. It's just unbelievable, like clockwork. The flowering is then invariably fouled by a plague of black rats. Yeah, that appear to spring from nowhere and spread destruction and famine in their wake. For the first time, Nova and National Geographic have come. They captured this explosion and this uh, of energy and, and this plague on film. And scientists are actually working hard to help local people better cope with the next attack due in 2056. There appears to be patterns, 50-year weather cycles, where... Meteorologists will say that every 50 years, a geographic area gets hit with this massive, almost 50-year kind of storm, whether it's a tornado or a hurricane or a flood or a dust storm or a drought, whatever might be peculiar to that area. But often they'll look back and go, it's about 50 years this explosion of energy occurs. And every 50 years, our 88-year-old, full-of-life, energizing bunny kind of of top-of-the-morning visitation pastor, Paul Berggren, is it 88 or 89? Um, actually takes a vacation. <laughs> and in 12 years, he'll be taking a second. So that's coming up fast. Every 50 years, a supernova occurs in the Milky Way. A supernova is a stellar explosion that is more energetic than just a nova. Supernovas are extremely luminous and cause a burst of radiation that often briefly outshines an entire galaxy before fading from view. We learned a whole bunch of stuff about this, too. There's so much energy that it creates things that are, that are heavier than lead, like gold um, and, and all kinds of other um, material like that. Anyway, a supernova can radiate as much energy as the sun is expected to emit over its entire lifespan. And the release of energy occurs about every 50 years. Isn't it interesting but every 50 years, God requires a celebration called Jubilee. It was a release of divine energy. An explosion of God's goodness. A party of massive proportions. Jubilee was a, a special year of universal pardon. In fact, in the Old Testament book, if you look at Leviticus chapter 25, and we're going to look at verses 8 through 12 in a moment, that whole chapter is all, uh, all about instructions with regard to Jubilee. Slaves and prisoners were freed. Debts would be forgiven. Think about this. The routine of work for a year was set aside. And the mercies of God would be demonstrated and felt 
by all. It was a time of joy and celebration for every person, family, tribe, and others who were a part of that national group, Israel. It was a national year of celebration, a year-long party. As you read here in verse 8, Moses, instructed by God, says, Count off seven Sabbath years. Seven times seven years, so that the seventh Sabbath years amount to a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpet sounded everywhere on the tenth day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement, sound the trumpet throughout your land. Consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your, your family property and to your own clan. The fiftieth year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow and do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the untended vines. For it is a jubilee and it is to be holy for you. Eat only what is taken directly from the fields. In a sense, God says keep track of time. Count out seven sevens. And when it comes to forty-nine, that fiftieth year should be special. You see, what's interesting about Jubilee compared to other celebrations, Jubilee was not a, a celebration that looked to the past. It was one that looked to the future. It was about letting go, in a sense, of the past. It had to do with looking ahead to where God was actually leading. It was about God restoring. It was God putting things that were wrong and making them right every 50 years. It was about God's deep desire to move us to become what he fully intended us to be. To restore us. Three things happened during that celebration, and they were radical steps when you think about it, if you really were, if you tried to apply this in our own culture today. Three things were to happen on the 50th year that would make year 51 radically different from year 49. 49 would occur, 50 would occur, and 51 would begin a whole new set of things that were so radically different from year 49. There's three hours to Jubilee that I want us to look at. And the first hour is that of release. Release of slaves and bondservants. The second, as we look at this, is reversion. The land was actually to revert back to its original owner. The third hour that he speaks of is renewal. The land was to rest, to lay fallow for a year, uncultivated. So the very first thing that we see as we read through Leviticus 25 is this idea of release, which I have actually called the principle of grace. If you look at 25, verse 10, he says, Consecrate the 50th year, proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. Tell people you're free. And it shall be a jubilee, which meant celebration of joy for you. And each of you is to return to your family property and to your own clan. You have been set free from whatever has held you. It's further explained throughout this chapter, specifically if you look at Leviticus chapter 25, verses 39 through 41. And the instructions are given concerning this principle of grace that I think resides so deeply in the character of God that it had to explode out every 50 years. It was in the character of God in a sense that he was saying, I want you to know something so deeply ingrained in me that every 50 years it will be so incredibly given with such liberality that you could not help but experience my grace. And so God was hoping to ingrain this in his people, that they would have the seeds of this so that they would know it when it would happen in this huge, almost supernova way yet to come. He says, if any of your fellow servants, in verse 39, 
If any of your fellow Israelites have become poor and sell themselves to you, do not make them work as slaves. They are to be treated as hired workers or temporary residents among you. They are to work for you until the year of Jubilee. Can you imagine that? Oh, man, when is that 50-year period? Then they and their children are to be released. This was a celebration of release, a forgiving of past debts, a letting go of wounds and hurts on a national scale. It involved everyone. This is God's way of setting people free to be what he intended for them to be when he created them. God is saying, in a sense, celebrate. I set you free. You get a big do-over. Ever happen in a game when you're playing a game? Maybe you're playing a game of checkers. I remember as a little kid, I'd be playing checkers, and I'd be playing usually against my brother, and I would make a move. I was two years younger. He was about ten years smarter. Um, Anyway... I'd make a move, and, and I'd sit back, and all of a sudden he'd grab his hand, and I could see the move. Like, do over, do over. And, you know, he was such a generous guy, he would always say, no way. Um, catch this. Every 50 years, God structured into the life of his people this principle of grace. God, through this celebration, said, guess what? You get a do over. You get a do-over. Have you ever played a game where you're so far behind, there's just no way you could ever catch up? About a year ago, I was playing a game of, of dominoes, specifically called Mexican Train. Anybody ever played that? Well, some of you have. Well, no, I, I, I was playing with people that I thought were very kind and very compassionate, generous people. It's a 12-round game, because in some ways it's kind of fun. You play around, and usually the worst score you'll get is about 80 to 90. I mean, that's a big score if you get that many. You want to try to have the lowest points. And so we're playing 12 rounds. About eight rounds into it, I'm pretty much in the lead. I'm doing fairly well. You know, humble, quiet, not in any way um, boasting about my winning. And I get these dominoes, and I look, and I can't play. You, You have to play. If you don't play, you have to pick more dominoes. You pick more dominoes. Unless someone, unless someone is generous and kind and gives you that kind of little do over kind of thing where they, they put the little domino there for you so you can get started. Well, 400 points later, seriously, worst round, probably it's a record, there was no way I'd be back in that game. One round messed it all up. Have you ever felt that way in life? In one round, one time in your life, maybe a period of years, you get so far behind, you become so bound, you become so wounded, there is just no sense in your own heart that you could ever climb back up into it. What's so cool about this celebration, Jubilee, is that it looked forward. It pointed to a time it was a release. It was a racing of moral debts. It was everything that would, you had would be forgiven at that point, even those things collected in one bad round of your life. It allowed for you to get back in the game, not only with God, but with others. God would let go. He'd pay the moral debt. He would write paid in full on your personal account. In that 50-year period, all your sins were removed. Every crime of selfishness, selfishness that you had committed against another would be released by God. And you were given the greatest and biggest do-over in your life. And all of it was pointing to something yet to come. Two weeks ago on Saturday, July 30th, 2011, in Jacksonville, Florida, just a couple of weeks ago, A large group of people filled into an auditorium, eagerly awaiting a turn for a clean slate. Each person had a crime that needed to be resolved, and this was a chance 
of a lifetime to make it right. It was amnesty day. They would be able to resolve things without the usual consequences. The fourth judicial court hosted amnesty day on Saturday at a downtown library auditorium. This first time event was aimed at those who had committed a nonviolent misdemeanor and had an outstanding arrest warrant. The people who took advantage of Amnesty Day had merely to show up, admit their wrong, stand before the judge, and they were cleared of any jail time. It may not look like it, but you're in court. Move closer. There will be no arresting today, said Circuit Court Judge Hugh Carithers, to this mass of people sitting in an auditorium. Carithers, along with the Circuit Judge Gene Johnson, heard cases throughout the morning, spending about three minutes per person hearing what they had to say. And Carithers and Johnson were among many volunteers, including court reporters, prosecutors, public defenders, who worked the event pro bono, completely free. Alexandra Wise came to Amnesty Day. She was a little bit unsure, but she came to clear her warrant for arrest. She had already spent 90 days in jail and wanted to get rid of her warrant. Judge Johnson dismissed the case. Wise walked away with the charge resolved and a fresh start. Hundreds of letters were actually sent out notifying people that they would be given amnesty. In the letter, it said, all you have to do is show up in court, stand before the judge and ask for a release to share your story. One man, Major Williams, who had for 30 years lived with the charge on his record, constantly the sense of his conscience on him for what he had done, always afraid of being picked up, looking over his shoulders, was asked what he was going to do after he had been dismissed of all charges, walking away from the court. And he simply looked at him and said, I'm going home and I am celebrating. Every 50 years at Jubilee, God sent out a notice every 50 years as a pattern for people to understand that there was going to come a day that he was going to hold court for every person in this entire universe. And he would hold court. And all he asked you to do is to come forward, admit that you have sinned, recognize that your conscience which accuses you and in and, and the deeds that you have done that continually speak a sentence and a warrant against you. He says that through Jesus on a cross, he would one day explosion of energy, unlike the 50 every pattern years, but one day for all time in the court would hold this big auditorium of all people and say, if you are willing just to stand, admit the fact that you need me and that I am here to forgive you, I will release you of your sin and death. Jesus would live this life selflessly, sacrificially, fully faithful for you and would take on every sin and every curse and every crime that you've ever committed. And all he asks for you to say if the Spirit of God is kind of knocking on your heart. I have to tell you, Jesus wants you to live free of your sin. That's what Jubilee is all about. He wants you to live free of even those of the, the, the charge that has been laid against you, the penalty that you know you deserve, and He says, I take it and I release you from it. And all you have to do is show up before God today and say, God, I want that. I just want that. Every 50 years, Jesus gave opportunity for people to release other people from the debt that they had accrued against them. There are some people this morning that Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, is speaking to you and saying, there are people who have wounded you, who have hurt you, and the only thing that's happening by their wound and by their hurt is it hurts you longer. It's time for you to set them free, to forgive, to let go.
Jubilee was a 50-year pattern that said there would come a day of forgiveness. Here's another thing, reversion. It's the principle of ownership. If you look at verse 25, chapter 25, verses 23 and 24, the land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine and you reside in my land as foreigners and strangers. He's saying that the Israel who have been living in the land and who are about to um, enter in this land and, and, and possess it. Throughout the land that you hold as a possession, you must provide for the redemption of the land. And there are all kinds of detailed instructions guiding them into a fair and equitable redemption. Now, you have to understand you're living in a day where there was dictatorship and there was this kind of land that was, uh, what was owned. There wasn't the ability, once you had lost it, there wouldn't be the ability as a descendant, maybe three, four years down the road, or, or three, four generations down the road, to get that land back. So God had the structure in it. It wasn't like a democratic, capitalistic kind of society where you can, you can have opportunities to move back. So God structured in the opportunity for people to get back the ability through the land which was vital to their life this resource so they could live so how do we apply this today we start giving land back no just come as i started kicking this idea around it seemed quite clear to me that what god is trying to teach here is really this principle of ownership reversion is this principle of ownership embedded in the character of god is that he is sovereign that he is overall that all this is his And God clearly states, if you look at that verse, the land must not be permanently sold because who is the land? The land is mine. The point is really simple. God is saying, I own the land, the houses, the toys, the stuff that you think is yours. Every 50 years, I want to make it crystal clear to every person, you're just a manager of what I've given you. The truth has much wider application than mere stuff. Every 50 years, God was trying to help people understand. He's helping us understand, helping you understand. That God's the original owner of you, of your career, of your family, of this church, of everything. The way to move forward in this celebration is to put it all back. It's really interesting. The way to move forward is to say, God, it's yours. I give it all to you. And a radical step for some of you today, you may have not made this step before, but the Holy Spirit might be just prompting you through a series of circumstances and, and people that you've been in contact with in the last number of months or years, and you're beginning to understand, you're beginning to say, this thing that I'm holding in my hand, this is not really mine, it's really yours. And, and, and what he might be asking you to do is very, in a very radical way say, God, here is my life, or here is my career, or God, here is, here is the stuff that I own, here is the stuff that I have invested. Here is the stuff, God, that I have with regard to relationships. Here I give it all to you. The things that I deeply desire in my heart, even those desires, those things that are for good are yours. And I give them all back to you that you might put those back in my hands the way you want them to be used. I remember one time when I was, was years ago, my, my girls were young. My, my parents who were here, my, my parents, we were with them. We were out west somewhere and they had bought breakfast for us and my brother and his kids. And it was this great celebration it's really wonderful when mom and dad pick up the bill you know um and i was you know at the counter as they were paying the bill and i was going to be a big spender young dad i picked up a bag of skittles for my kids get in the car i hand them the skittles said dad why don't you guys have it? so we're driving along and i, I kind of reach back and i say you know you guys could i have a few skittles i didn't think that was a big deal 
It was like I was asking for the world. I, you know, one of them held and just grabbed it back. And I'm thinking to myself, I just bought that for you. You gotta be kidding. I could buy you a whole bunch more if you really want it. I just want a couple. Are you kidding me? And I felt this tap of the Holy Spirit on my shoulder. Honestly, this, this sense, I mean, it wasn't, but just this sense came on me. It was like the Holy Spirit said, who do you think you are? I give you stuff all the time. There are many times my spirit prompts you to move, to meet a need, to do something with something that I have given you. And you grab it with your fist and you hold it. And like these little Skittles, you're like a little kid. And you go, I, I can let that go. What are you grabbing on to? That every 50 years, God shows us through Jubilee, hey, look at, you know what, this isn't yours permanently. I gave it because it's mine, so I ask you right now this morning, if there is something that you, you just think about, I just, you know, my career, I'm not going to let this, and God's saying, you know what, you know what, I want you to give this to me. Relationship. Well, you, you have this relationship and God wants to fill you and He even uses relationships. But you're, you're holding on to this relationship because you think it's from that that you're getting your life and He's saying that's not where it comes from. You've you got to let it go. There's another principle here. And the last one that we're going to look at is, is this a provision. It's the word renewal. Idea that the land was the rest. I, 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 you don't know how disciplined I was this week. There's so much I would, this, point could go on for three more messages i mean seriously there is so much in this idea of rest that god would call us to 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 rest so that he might renew us and recreate us so that his energy could flow through us the 50th year he tells us in verse 11 and 12 shall be a jubilee for you do not sow and do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the untended vines for it is a jubilee and it shall be holy unto you to you and eat, eat only what is directly from the fields the people were to rest They were to be renewed, to be recreated. In fact, this whole concept of rest is so important to God that it's actually structured into the very design of creation. Even God on the seventh day, after six days of wildly inventing and and creatively making things happen, comes to the end of six days after He's created this whole universe, and He ends by creating you, saying you are the most special thing He has ever created. Because you have the image of God, the creative energy of God flowing through you. And he he gets to the end of it and he goes, you know what, I'm just going to sit back, kick back and rest. And allow for the energy within me to renew and recreate. The 50th year, this jubilee was a super Sabbath, if you want to look at it that way. It was a super Sabbath. A one year kind of vacation celebration. It called for complete trust. It would happen that way when you would work for six days and you would rest to seven. It would happen that way when you would work for six years and rest the land for for a year. The whole idea of that seven-year period when they would do with regard to the land, they would work the fields for six years and then give of the field the opportunity to lay fallow for a year, which called for trust, which called for them to have to believe that in year six God would provide so much that it would give them year seven and get them into the next year. I mean, it's really even hard. Isn't it hard for us sometimes to to set aside all the things we're doing so after six days just to come and say, I'm going to come here and I'm going to give you worship and praise God. I'm I'm going to come here and just rest. I'm going to let you renew my heart. And as you renew my heart, I'm going to begin to recognize that you will provide for me this next week. I'm going to trust you to provide the things that I need. 
This was a time of renewal. It was a time of renewal where the, the energy that they had to do what they needed to do, the things that they needed to get, they came to this point that they realized it wasn't what they did, but from what God would do in them, that it would provide what was going to happen next. And they had to recognize that deep in the character of God, just like is embedded this sense of grace and this sense of sovereignty, that he owns it all, there is this sense of provision that this, your God, who created you and said you are the most special thing that has ever been created in this world, in his eyes, you would come to him and recognize, just as these other things are in his character, so is this truth, that he will provide for you. It tells us in Scripture at times, in one of the Psalms, that he says, just as my foot was to slip, there are those times that God brings us to the very end of what we are and what we can do and all that we are about. And we get to the very end. We're at that edge. We're about to slip. We're about to fall. We don't think we can do anymore. And it's at those times when you just are so at the end of yourself that you are now at the beginning of God and he steps in and provides because he needs to sometimes in your life. Bring you to those places where he calls you to recognize he is your source of life. He is your divine energy. He is the one who will sustain you. He is the one who will fulfill your deepest desires. He is faithful. He is true. He can be counted on. He is reliable. He is dependable. He is trustworthy. He is rock solid, ever sure, always able, never faltering, the only one. The I am who always will be and never was not. He is worthy this morning of your complete trust. His eye is always on you. He is there for you. He sees you right now. And he will provide for you. A week ago, I was at a funeral in Rockford, Illinois. A friend of mine from junior high days, um, his mother had passed away. She was about 90. And I went down there to be with these two good friends. Uh, another good friend of mine gave the message at the funeral. And near the end, he shared about a time when he and his family were on vacation. His girls were about, about the same age as my girls, about five and three at the time. And so he and his wife, Nancy, explained to the girls as they were at this hotel where there was a pool that they can enjoy the pool. It will be lots of fun, but you need to be very careful, you little five and three-year-olds. You need to be really careful you just because even accidentally, if you jump in or you slipped in or something and, and, and we weren't there kind of thing, um, you could drown. And they made that point very clear. So my friend shared that his wife had left to do some shopping or something, and he was with the kids, and he said, let's go swimming. And so he got them all ready, took them down there, and they're having a great time, and the oldest one was jumping into his arms, you know, and the other one was standing here, and she kept jumping in and out. And, and he said, do you want to come? And she didn't, and jumping in and out. And then all of a sudden, out of the corner of his eye, he sees the little one jump in. She jumps in and goes all the way under. He grabs her, pulls her out of the water, and she's just sobbing and crying. And he's holding her. You're all right. I saw you. I had you the whole time. She's crying. And he pulls her out, and she finally gets enough composure to say, Daddy, Daddy, I drowned. I drowned, Daddy. And he goes, oh, no, Mallory, you didn't drown. Daddy had his eye on you the whole time. Daddy got you right away. He was watching you. Um, you didn't drown, you're just fine. Now, don't tell mommy about this. 
And after a few more reassurances, he said, I had my eye on you the entire time. And the principle of provision, the sense of truth is that God sees you even when you think you're drowning. Even when you think you're going under. And I know because I um, have experience with some of you, some of the pain you've experienced in your life, some of the illness and some of the some have experienced some death in your family. Some of you have experienced loss of jobs. Some of you have experienced long times without a job. You've experienced these things. You, some of you have, have wanted a relationship and some companionship and you've waited and you're, and you're looking and you, it hasn't come. And God is saying, guess what? It may feel like you're at the edge. It may feel like you're drowning, but my eye is on you. I am going to provide for you. So would you just take what you have, give it to me. I, I want to be the one who guides you and, and is sovereignly, in that sense, owning, in the sense of working with you, so that you can experience always in your life this incredible freedom that comes from the fact that you have unmerited favor, not because of what you've done, but because of what I've done for you. If you will just accept this, you can live in the forgiveness and walk in the forgiveness of a God who knows you and is sovereignly over you and is going to provide for you. Every 50 years. But you know what? Now, let me just tell you, in 50 years, it wasn't recorded. They celebrated this. In fact, there's no recording in Scripture that they celebrated this. You'd almost kind of think that God would say, well, forget you. But even in their own inability and failure, God still said, I'm keeping this divine explosion of energy that you can live in response to my love and get this straight from even the way my people Israel never did it to know that I will always come through for you. I am here for you.